Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches and expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. It is episode 56. I apologize. It has been a few weeks. I have been traveling. For those of you guys who've been following me on Instagram, you will have seen that I was in Florida for a while. For the first weekend, it was amazing. We went to see Grant Cardone's 10X Growth Conference. Um, So I met up with some like-minded entrepreneurs and friends We went to the growth conference all three days in Miami. It was an incredible experience, a bit overwhelming for me, I'll be honest, because there were some takeaways I took home, of course, some very, you know, beneficial um, aspects that I can implement into my business for sure. But to try and 10x my business in a short space of time is is a bit overwhelming. Um, You know, we've over doubled tripled um the business most years which is an amazing growth but i think the 10x is obviously dreaming a little bit bigger than i'm used to um i put a bit of that down to being irish i put a bit of that down to being from a very rural part of ireland where it is not the norm to dream big especially not to 10x whatever it is you're doing um so i think i've got an internal battle that i'm trying to fight but i think this is the direction i need to go to grow the business and this is the direction i need to go to help 10 times more people. That's how I see it. You know, 10x of a revenue or 10x of growth is amazing. But to be able to help 10 times more people next year than I did uh, this year coming than I did last year is is exciting. You know, I I don't know off the top of my head, but it's, it's well within the thousands, if not tens of thousands of people um, that we have helped uh, in this space at uh, the small period that we've been we've been serving people probably in the in in the thousands last year so to 10x that would be you know maybe 20 30 40 50,000 people in the space of a year that's a big ask but it's something i'm excited about and obviously the more lives that i can impact and the more people that we can all change the better so that was amazing that was incredible and then the following weekend was Vince Del Monte's Seven Figure Mastermind. So I was a sit-in guest, which was very exciting. Um, obviously, Vince runs these masterminds every 90 days. So every three months, he has one. Um, obviously, Vince was on the podcast before. For those of you guys who remember, um, he was talking about how to grow a celebrity status. Um, and therefore, off the back of a celebrity status, launch a high ticket program which is very similar to what the mastermind was about um i also managed to meet craig ballantyne who is a massive um mentor of mine um he managed to sign my book the perfect day formula which was really exciting i can't wait to have him on the podcast i'll definitely be connecting with him again for those of you guys who don't know craig Craig is one of the real OGs. He, back in the day, almost 15 years ago, he was writing for Men's Health in the United States. Um, and he's gone on to build multi seven and some eight figure businesses where now he is coaching other people to try and, you know, really grow their business. But most importantly, by living your life the way that you want to. And that's exactly what the Perfect Day Formula is. It's an amazing book. And it's taught me a huge amount in a short space of time in terms of structuring my day, 
Um, obviously, I work for myself and, you know, I have that luxury. So being able to structure your day. That being said, you know, if you work for somebody else, there's still so much of your day that you can structure around what you want to achieve, um, what's important, how to prioritize things. So I got to meet him. He signed my book. That was awesome. I also got to meet um, Joel Marion, who is multi-eight and multi-nine figure business owner, who had some extremely interesting tips on how to invest to get a massive return um, on your business. He has just blown the fitness space into a whole new realm. Um, it was amazing listening to him talk. Um, obviously, Vince himself had the majority of the talks, and that was incredible to listen and to finally meet Vince, which was cool. Um, also, Bedros Koulian, who is a, a master in growing an empire, who was talking to us about the difference between building a business and building an empire and how drastic your mindset needs to be in order to do that. Building a business is difficult. Building a successful business is even more difficult. I think 90 to 95% of businesses fail after the first year. So to really just smash that into an empire, um, you know, and have, as he does, multi, um, multi-gym complexes all over the world, um, that was pretty cool. Again, I was a little bit out of my depth, but we're getting there. And of course, great friend Rudy, um, who was on the podcast as well. Um, he was talking to us about how to grow a seven figure business. Um, obviously, for those of you guys who haven't listened to that episode, well worth listening. Rudy was a personal trainer in Nottingham. He moved to Tampa, Florida to do a master's under Dr. Jacob Wilson. And he also was um, working under Ben Pokolsky, who's my coach, my fitness coach in MI40. Um, And he's since gone on to absolutely smash and crush Facebook ads. Um, And now he's a multi seven-figure business in fitness. And now he's a multi seven-figure business um, in terms of consulting, trying to help people grow their business to seven figures. So I'm even tired of speaking about it. So you can tell that it's been a massive whirlwind. As always, I brought my microphone to try and get as many episodes recorded as I can. Needless to say, I got zero. So what I've decided to do instead is I've made contact with vast numbers of entrepreneurs, coaches, um, both fitness and business coaches that I want to get on the podcast. They've agreed, they're excited. So over the next few weeks and the next few months, I'm going to be getting them on Skype, getting them to, obviously, we're going to record specific episodes for you guys to try and add as much value as possible. For those of you guys who want to get in shape, of course, but I know there are many of you guys out there who want to grow your business, budding entrepreneurs, online coaches or PTs who want to grow their businesses online. So I'm going to get as many of them on the podcast as I possibly can. Today's episode. So I've been struggling for a while with a few aspects that just keep popping up with clients. Um, it's it's one of those things that I'm not trying to plug my podcast to, to people that you know slide into the DMs and ask questions. But this is just a massive resource for those of you guys who want those questions. And I think, you know, by the time I get to episode 100, I would like to think that a lot of these questions will be answered in some way, shape or form on the podcast. So I think that's kind of what I want this to be. A bit of a library for people to drop in and out um, and really try and take as much from this as possible. 
Probably the biggest question and always will be is how to get lean. Now, the most listened episode that I have is episode three, which is the science behind fat loss. So I'm going to call this the science behind fat loss part two. And I'm going to talk to you really probably more blunt and more honest than I did in episode one about how to get damn lean. Now, it's not easy. I had a few conversations over the last few days about the lengths that sometimes you have to go to to get lean. And it's a big sacrifice um, to try and get that lean. And sometimes it is not easy, um, even for someone like myself who has my own schedule, I can train twice a day. Um, you know, I can be pretty strict with what I eat, etc., etc. So we touched in episode one about leptin and ghrelin in terms of your satiety hormones or your hunger hormones. Now, obviously they play a part. We talked about insulin. We talk about, um, you know, your hunger hormones, um, your growth hormones, natural growth hormones, and also obviously insulin sensitivity. If you haven't listened to episode three, stop pause, go back, listen to episode three of the podcast, The Science Behind Fat Loss, and rejoin right about now. So what I want to do is I want to take this to a whole new level in terms of applying that knowledge and applying that and putting it into practice. Now, knowledge is amazing and knowledge is what we all need to progress. But if you cannot apply knowledge and you cannot put it into practice and make it practical, then your you know knowledge means very little if you can't. Naturally, I've got a scientific background, so I will be very nitpicky with what I use and what I integrate and my reasoning behind specific aspects of dieting and specific aspects of muscle growth and training and programming, etc. But at the end of the day, if you don't implement it and you, you're not willing to put it into work and you're not willing to sacrifice you will struggle. You just will. Um, I had a conversation about the the lengths that I had to go to to get lean leading up to my photo shoots in September. And one of the main, I suppose, it's not that I, I, I hide it from you guys on social media, but I just get on with it and do it. And, you know, when I post, when I was posting on my social media that I was walking 30,000 steps a day, and I was training twice a day and I was on minimal food. It wasn't for effect. That's just what I needed to do to get lean. Now, for the vast majority of you, 99% of you guys will not want or not need to get as lean as I got for those shoots. So you don't need to take it to that extreme. But there will be occasions when you need to, and there will be occasions when you need to push the boundaries of what you're willing to do and what you're capable of doing. And I suppose, Coming back to a lot of the questions that I get or the hesitations that people have is you will never get 12 weeks where you are not going away. You will never get 12 weeks where you don't have a stag do or a wedding or something that you feel you need to put the program on hold for. But all you're doing by putting the program on hold is delaying your results and not, you know, for me, that's the time when I would prefer to take on a client when there are obstacles, when there are things that need to be addressed, when there are things that we need to focus on and when things are difficult, because if you can learn um, and manipulate food and structure things around a difficult period like that, it becomes so much easier when it comes to having a good run of weeks. Um, also, I feel like you learn more about your body by being intuitive. Learning to manipulate food at that point is key. And learning to manipulate food like that when things are difficult 
actually for me is is building your relationship with food first and foremost because realistically nobody wants to stick to strict food and nobody so when i say that i pushed it to the max and i was really meticulous with food i wasn't like prepping the same food every day i wasn't counting calories i wasn't counting macros i wasn't counting any of those i was genuinely and i really mean this i was being completely intuitive with my food i knew what sort of foods i needed before i trained i know what sort of foods i needed post-workout i knew what i needed intra-workout and i knew how to kind of rearrange food and i'm not saying you guys will need that um level of detail but what you probably do need is accountability or if you're not there yet with your food a little bit of guidance now it doesn't have to be us it could be anyone it could be a friend it could be a family member it could be you know your current coach whatever it is um if you're not fully there yet then it's really important to have sometimes a second set of eyes um so literally that's what i did i was walking 25 to 30,000 steps every day i was training in the morning i was training quite heavy um in a more bodybuilding kind of orientated gym walking to the gym walking home from the gym having you know a meal or two chilling in the evening getting some work done um i was just had started out doing my podcast at the time and then i would go back in the evening for a second session which would actually be more skill orientated and to be honest with you it was very high volume low weight low, um you know multiple sets maybe some drop sets etc etc in order to try and just burn calories that was it all i wanted to do was burn calories but also i was doing resistance training of course which allowed me to integrate some carbohydrates in post-workout twice during the day now i just want to talk about something quite practical let's just say for example you wanted to be in a deficit of 500 calories and you're training once a day that's perfectly fine you're in 500 calorie deficit um progressing 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 cool awesome now if you train twice a day and you increase your food so that you're in the same deficit of 500 which is going to be better long term are they both going to be the same or will it be better to train once or will it be better to train twice have a think about it for a second now in terms of thermodynamics you're going to be in a 500 calorie deficit regardless so you're going to lose the same amount of body fat yes however let's just say for argument's sake that you burned you train once you are in a 500 calorie deficit awesome cool you're going to lose weight you're going to lose body fat most likely now if you can add 500 calories worth of food on top of that but burn an extra 500 from a second session later on you're still in a 500 calorie deficit however the 500 calories that i would implement into that nutritional program would be carbohydrates they would be carbohydrates post workout or in around the times that you're most insulin sensitive so what's actually happening there is you're not training once a day you're training twice so your frequency of training has doubled you're training uh, your body parts twice as frequent as you were before you're having double the carbohydrates and you're recovering better you're going to end up looking fuller because you're more insulin sensitive your body's utilizing that carbohydrate at the right time yes you're going to lose the same amount of weight but in terms of you looking full being full um, progressing your lifts having more glycogen in your muscle stores you're going to perform better now if you simply you know you're 200 pounds 250 pounds and you just want to lose 20 30 pounds and get in shape 
then it doesn't really matter what you're doing. But if like me, you want to look good, you want to hold on to as much muscle mass as possible, you want to hold on to that fullness, you want to recover effectively and efficiently, you want to perform in the gym, you want to continue to try and getting, sometimes I'm going to say getting stronger is difficult when you're in a deficit, but it is possible. So if you can do that, I would highly recommend it for sure. Um, you know, obviously that's what I did. It worked for me. It worked for my schedule. In a way, it allowed me to stay away from food. I say this to a lot of clients. If they have the ability to go back to the gym in the evening and they don't mind, I personally, if I was going to go for a walk, even for example, it was keeping me away from food. It was keeping my mind off food. It was keeping me further from the fridge and I was able to do work on my phone. Now, for most people who have a desk job, that is quite difficult but I would highly recommend potentially trying to get into the gym twice if you can. So the practical side of things is, yes, we can look at leptin, we can look at ghrelin, we can look at insulin sensitivity, but you still need to just bloody do the work. And I think there will be times when you really need to grind it out. There will be times where you really need to stay strict. If you get on a program and your goals are drastic, and you know your first question to your coach is when is my next cheat meal then you really there's one of two things there you either need to really reconsider this is what you want to do whether you really feel like you can get lean enough or secondly maybe the program that you have isn't right for you realistically you should only really be integrating in some cheat meals for two reasons one as a psychological break or two, as a glycogen replenishment tool, whereby you will find, like we spoke about in, in episode three, where you will actually upregulate your, your leptin, your ghrelin, um, and your satiety hormones that allows you to be in a deficit for longer on some of your lower days. So carb cycling is important. So for an example, what I said to myself coming back to the deficit with the carbohydrates is I said, you know, not not overly scientific, but, you know, I had a method behind my madness. I said, for every training session that I'm going to do, I'm going to have 100 grams of carbohydrates post-workout. Cool, right? So what that meant was that if I was going to train once at 100 grams of carbohydrates all post-workout, if I trained twice, I would have 200 grams of carbohydrates, 100 split after each. Now, there is no way, there's absolutely no way that I would not burn far more than 100 calories in that second training session but one so so therefore i was in even more of a deficit having gone to the gym again and i was also able to get some extra carbohydrates in so for me i was killing two birds with one stone well actually three because i was staying away from food i was keeping my mind occupied and actually four for me because i was able to get content for my business content for you guys put it on my story so i was i was killing a lot of birds with the one stone um so you know for me it was a no-brainer for some of you guys you really will struggle to do that. Um, you know, this isn't a dig. This is not a dig. But they, I do have some clients who say, there's no way I have time to go to do a second training session. There's just no way I have time to do half an hour walk. And then I'm like, how, how many hours do you sleep every night? And they're like, eight or nine. And I'm like, well... You know, I'm not going to get on on, on, the, on the no sleep train, but there's no reason why you couldn't drop from nine hours of sleep to eight hours sleep, get your body accustomed to eight hours sleep, which is more than enough in my opinion, and still get some cardio or get a second workout done. Um, it's not always the be all and end all. 
But if it means it's, you know, keeping you away from food, you're getting more food uh, carbs in um, post-workout that you can justify putting you in more of a deficit, then it's it, it, it's probably a pretty legitimate um, step to take in order to increase your fat loss or fat burning potential. It can be difficult. I'm not going to lie. There were some days where I just don't want to get out. I just, you know, if it's raining outside, the last thing I want to do is throw everything on and get on a walk. Um, it, it, actually, that's one question I get asked a lot in terms of getting my steps in or getting my cardio in. What I would normally do is if it was really poor weather outside, I would do a lot of my walking on the treadmill. Now, normally I wouldn't advocate that, but if it's raining outside, I would prefer get it done on the on, on the treadmill. And what I was actually doing was getting my iPad and I would pick a specific series that I could focus on. I would only ever watch that series on the treadmill. So I would get completely hooked. And what I would do is say, no, I need to wait. I cannot watch it until I'm hopping on the treadmill tomorrow. So in a, on a psychological level, I'm actually looking forward to it. And I don't know about you guys, but once you hop in the treadmill and you're there and you're taking your mind off it, you don't even realize you're walking anymore. You know, you just feel like you're just, you know, you're just getting on with things. Um, you know, for me, I would have Netflix on, I'd have my uh, AirPods in. And I'd have my phone out and I'd be, you know, messaging clients, posting stories, posting posts, um, you know, liaising with other clients, um, chatting to the other coaches within the business, ensuring everything is set up while I'm on the treadmill, while I'm watching whatever series it was on, on, on Netflix. So they're just some tips. Now, obviously, everyone wants diet hacks. And this is something I ask quite a lot. I'm fortunate because I don't have a massive appetite. Um, I can get away with not eating a huge amount. And I know that's not the same for everyone. But some things that I did find helpful were very low calorie jelly, extremely low calorie jelly, um, either in individual tubs or you can make it up yourself. Um, massively, massively, massively beneficial. Also for me, um, oddly enough, if I was really hungry, I would literally just make a cup of coffee, grab a liter of water, um, you know, put some no sugar f- uh, coloring or some branch chain aminos in it. I would try and drink as much as I could and I would have a cup of coffee and maybe brush my teeth and take my mind off eating. Um, that's one trick that I heard from a friend who used to brush his teeth all the time. Um, obviously, you don't wear down the enamel on your teeth. But if he was feeling like eating something, he would brush his teeth to try and prevent him from having some food um, that worked for him. I've heard some crazy ones. Believe me, I've heard some crazy ones. Also, again, I'm fortunate that I live in a house where I kind of dictate what comes into the house in terms of the food for the most part um, when I'm dieting, at least. Um, obviously, it is different if you've got young children in the house. Um, this is actually... I've only told this to a few clients, but um, I used to get quite pissed when clients would say, oh, I just can't, you know, um, you know, such and such in my house or my housemate would have this food and, you know, my kids have this and I keep cheating. And to be honest, I was like, this is just a joke. Like they're just making excuses. This is just not acceptable. Um, and then I remember when I cut for the first time, I got in what was at that point the best shape of my life. Um, I felt great. Everything was cool. Um, another few months later, I was in great shape and I was still in London. Everything was fine. And I decided to take a trip home and spend two weeks or so with my um, with my mum and my brothers. So I flew back and I was trying to stay on course and I was eating 
everything. And I remember having a few phone calls and a few conversations with people that weekend. And I said, listen, I can completely understand where you're coming from now. Like, because if there is food and I'm dieting and it's there, I will eat it. But I was never in that environment before. So, you know, what's the best tip in in that situation is to try and not put yourself in that environment. I've got a number of clients who the person at work has one one client in particular, his um, neighbor in work has a, a, a basically a box full of cookies and a box full of Oreos and it comes out once a day. And he struggles. He finds it really difficult. Now, I'm not saying to move job and I'm not saying to move desk, but you need to try and eliminate temptations like that or you need to be aware of what could be the biggest flaws in your diet? What could be the tripwire? If you can highlight those, you can either meander around it or you can make changes or have literally just just no tolerance policies with stuff. For example, uh, another client of mine who struggles when it comes to alcohol, not because she likes alcohol, but it's because her friends, anytime she meets a friend, they're like, oh, let's have a glass of wine. And then she's like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't really know. I don't really feel like, oh, no, go on, have one, go on. Just the one, just the one, this one. And it always ends up being like three or four. So oddly enough, um, now when she goes out, she will say if she's in a group of friends or she's at a at a meeting or something that requires her to, to be in a situation where there may be alcohol involved, she will always drive. She will always drive and put her foot down and say, no, I am driving. And as soon as she says that, nobody says anything. It's like it's a complete get out of jail free card because there is a no tolerance policy on that. You know, if you can turn around and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm driving. I'm, I'm not having a drink for her. That is the perfect excuse. So sometimes you need to kind of alleviate those issues. Sometimes you need to be aware of them first, of course, um, and then try to meander around them. But for the vast majority, it is not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to, you know, bullshit you and say that it's easy. It, it isn't. And um, it can be difficult, but it comes down to how much you really want to get lean. And I think that's why recently when we when people ask us, do we have spots available for coaching? One of the first things I say, of course, goals is important, where you're based is important, but actually the most important is how will how willing are you to work? Um, it's on our first questionnaire on a scale of one to 10, how much do you want this? And we're honest, if, if anyone's less than an eight, then we don't take them on because we, on a selfish level, we don't want to be investing a huge amount of time into people who don't want to invest in themselves and um, you really need to, I suppose, pinpoint your whys when you want to when you want to get lean, because it's not easy. It's the same as a lot of things. You know, if something's difficult, you need a why that is strong enough for you to not want to quit, not want to give up. And it's no coincidence that some of the best transformations, actually, not some of all of, the best transformations have come from clients who have that mentality of, I haven't had a cheat in sixteen weeks. Um, I know a client of mine, Darren, who is now a coach within the business um, and is a massive help to me on the admin side of things. He broke down about 11 weeks into his first program and he confessed that he cheated. He had two cherries and he broke down and confessed. That was how strict he was. And there's no there's no surprise that his transformation is probably the best that has come through the business. So 
I'm not saying you all need to have that level of adherence, that you all need to be that OCD with food, but it, it's pretty obvious that the closer you can stick to your program, the better you can communicate with your coach, the better results you are going to get. So when it comes to the science behind fat loss, like we spoke about in, in episode three, that is all well and good. Soak it all in, you know, implement it though, you know, implement it. Can you put this into action? Because if you can't, it's wasted completely. So I think that's, you know, I'm not going to go on anymore, but I think my tolerance now compared to when I first started coaching is probably disintegrated a little. Um, I feel like if you really want this, then you'll make it work. And if you don't, then there's not a huge amount that your coaches can do for you. We try our best, obviously, to manipulate the food so that it's foods that you like. So that's time of the day that you can train whenever you like and everything suits your schedule. But when it comes to adherence, that is completely out of our control. I personally take responsibility that, okay, you know, such and such. Okay, your adherence wasn't great. That's fine. Is there anything that I can do to change it to make it easier? Do we need to increase food a little? Are you struggling? And then if the answer is no, I just walk past a cake stand and smash that load of cakes, then there is nothing that you can do as a coach. Um, And you need to emotionally detach yourself from those situations because then as a coach, you feel like a failure when in reality, it's the person just doesn't want to be helped. Um, I speak about this quite a lot in in our academy when we are helping budding budding entrepreneurs and um, online coaches or PTs that want to aspire to do online. You know, I'd speak in detail about you need to emotionally detach yourself from, from, from some clients because otherwise you will feel like you're failing. To get to this level and to get to this high in, in something like fitness or in something that you are so passionate about, it is quite difficult for me not to be competitive. It is quite difficult for me not to be almost perfectionism-like. So when clients don't adhere, it was quite difficult for me at the start, but you need to slightly detach yourself from that and realize that, okay, I have done my best for this client. It is now out of my control. So what does that mean for you guys? That means that you guys need to take responsibility. It means that, you know, you're in control of what goes into your mouth and you're in control of how many steps you're able to take every day. You're in control of not messing up you're in control of communicating to your coach and most importantly you're in control of making it all come together so you know if you have any questions of course reach out to me of course um we are taking a bit of a shift in direction in the uh with the business right now we are having brainstormed quite a lot with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I met with in Florida. We're taking a big change in direction and we're holding on to and retaining the current clients that we have, which is amazing. Um, They're all doing exceptionally well, but we are being reluctant to take on any new clients for the next few months. There are some exceptions and there was um, an amazing client who signed up the other day with me who was on the uh, Great British um, cycling team. I'm really excited to have her on board um, and one or two others who were at a very elite level. Um, But we're kind of moving in in a slightly different direction over the next few weeks and the next few months. If you have any questions, though, as always, reach out. Spearman Chris on Instagram or drop me an email. ChrisSpearmanFitness at gmail.com. Of course, the DM's easier. You actually get to contact me instead of 
you know, a lot of other coaches who send you to their personal assistant. I would prefer answer your questions directly. But yeah, any questions, hit me up. You guys know I'll answer straight away. If you are reposting this on your story, please do tag me. And as always, I will repost every single one. I hope you've enjoyed. Just to summarize, guys, there is no point reading all these scientific articles. There's no point talking about leptin, about ghrelin, about insulin sensitivity, about your natural growth hormone, your natural testosterone levels, and all of these things if you are not willing to do the work. You need to put the work in, and sometimes it gets nasty. Sometimes it gets nasty, but you know, as they always say, it gets darkest before the dawn sometimes, until you really get going, until you really get momentum. Sometimes it can get difficult, but don't give up. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Guys, as always, I'm gonna leave you with the same quote that I leave you at the end of every podcast. Make the most of today. You'll not get this day again. Peace.